0: One of the things that, that's in, incumbent on, on whoever's teaching a class is to make sure everyone understands why the course exists and what the value is and, and actually paying attention. I mean, you know, one of the things that I found early on is that what I'm really competing for within a room full of students is I'm competing for Mindshare.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. David Schwab here. Swing is in full swing. Everywhere, especially in Oxford, most beautiful time of the year in Oxford. On the pod today, we have Mark Lacker. It's the first time we have put a Miami professor on the pod. Of course, he's a Miami grad, and he is an assistant clinical lecturer in the Farmer School of Business. Really thoughtful, thoughtful conversation, pragmatic conversation. Interesting to get into his head of students today, students before, and students in the future He's a self-proclaimed accidental professor, started on the entrepreneurial side in creating businesses, which led to an introduction at Miami and started to guest lecture and have students help out. Next thing you know, he's in Oxford full time and uh, we get into a deep discussion of why and how. It's also thoughtful of why Miami? Why, what's the differentiation of Oxford, Ohio, and Miami for students looking for school and success, Uh, and how to compete for mindshare of students. All brands are trying to figure that out. So it's an interesting perspective from a university side. And then we dig into the need for problem solving, creativity, and imagination in the world of business. Mark is a treasure at Miami, and I really appreciated his time. Thanks. Enjoy the pod
0: this is entirely accidental I was doing I was doing business sales marketing I uh, was involved in three different business starts and the the way I honestly the way I was initiated into this was in the, in the last business I had started I, I got a phone call one day and the phone call was from the entrepreneurship, program at Miami University and they said they had this consulting class and they had run this list of all the people in Cincinnati that had CEO next to their name and I just started this business and so I decided to call myself a CEO and so they had this they had this consulting class and they said it's free and we do stuff for you and we won't take up a lot of your time and I said sold and long story short these guys were brilliant I hadn't been back on campus in 20 years. Hmm. I'm talking to these students. They're smarter, they're more adept, they're quicker than I ever remember me being. And so, you know, after the semester's over, I pick up the phone and I called back up to the entrepreneurship program and said, well, how do I get like more students like that? And next thing you know, I'm taking summer interns and then I'm taking interns. You know, during the semesters, as part-time jobs, and I'm liking this, and the relationship's good, and I'm learning from the students, and they're, they're they're forcing me to be fresh, and and on my game, which is cool. And then all of a sudden, I became a guest speaker. Mm. And then I guest spoke again, became a reoccurring character in this marketing class they ran. And one day, I get this call. And the professor that was teaching that marketing class in the entrepreneurship program was going to a different university and they were stuck. They had an extra session, nobody to teach it. They asked me if I wanted to do it. So I did. I'd go to work in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays, get lunch. I'd drive up to Oxford, Ohio from Cincinnati, 45 minutes, get out of the car, teach a class, get back in the car, and go back to work. And I became an adjunct professor and it was awesome. You know, and so you, you can. The net of this story is: then second class, then a the third class, and then a position opened up where uh, it was a full time position. Uh, the currency was right, and uh, I made a career switch.
1: What was the uh, the time frame we're talking about? From the moment somebody called you to say, "Hey, new CEO, we've got this consulting thing going on." to the first time you were a guest lecturer back on campus?
0: So this started in 2001. Okay. So consulting thing starts 2002. I'm doing uh, intern host companies taking interns in the summer and it was 2003 that, hey, why don't you just like come back and start talking to class? Hmm. And so I did that.
1: And what did it, that, that business that you were CEO of, uh, did that business close? Did you sell that business? Did it continue or, I mean, it sounds like there was a moment in time where this really excited you to get back and, and inspire, or teach, or, or be around students every day.
0: Well, once I started, like, teaching three classes and doing, doing this business, and it was basically a marketing agency that had a very particular niche, um, once I started doing that and it kind of turned into two full-time jobs, what became evident was that I was having more fun on the teaching side. Hmm. So I wound the business down. I There was a uh, partner involved, and we turned that into something else as a consultancy for a period of time where I could do that on the side, and then the full-time gig in teaching occurred.
1: And are there more, I mean, you call it like a, an accidental professor. Do you think in today's world, and this is really a, a question for Miami and all universities, are there more accidental professors, more people that have started... In a uh, business role or another profession, and then uh, as a second career, gone back to a university? Do you think that that's a trend in the marketplace or,
0: or no? It's, it's a job function. Mm. So, if you think of job function, you've got tenured professors, their job is, so from an academic standpoint, their job is to do research and create new information in the world as well as teach and depending on the university there's more or less a weight on on research versus teaching and Miami has a great balanced model on both of those by the way there there's there's another classification of people who teach classes and those are practitioners those who have you know real world real world experience that's a known category and a known job function. So in order to fulfill that you've got to have some some practical experience. And it's, it's a relatively common everyday sort of thing that universities hire, uh, guest lecturers, uh, adjunct professors to teach a course or, uh, more than that based upon their expertise and their experience and what the subject of the course is.
1: Hmm. And and I guess, and and obviously I was farmer and business and and a marketing major, but, um, where I learned the most was certainly the, the case study type project, the entrepreneurship, you know, the practical, practical business experience that I would have in life. And maybe that's just the particular uh, job function or career I wanted to go into. And, and maybe there are some majors where um, it, it's more, more research first or learning first before you could even get to that.
0: It it is, but I mean if, if, if there's anything that looks like it's applied, and I don't care if it's being a a speech pathologist, if if your if one of your instructors happens to be doing that for a living you're going to get more flavor and more depth and more understanding of the profession and the role and what it takes to be successful. And those case studies that you might remember as written documents that that was talking about something in the past have now morphed into real-time cases. What's mm-hmm. happening today in this business and or in this organization or in this situation where you have to make a decision and, and now what do you do?
1: Yeah. And I do think it's as I think back to myself uh, as a kid, a young adult in college, uh, your mindset is you're, you're going through a class and there's a grade and, and you're trying to accomplish it and you move on uh, and probably didn't take advantage of everything that's there and the smarts that are behind the professors and the, and the peers. And I, I'm fascinated every time I'm back in Oxford now how much more group work there is and practical experience and, as you said, real-time learning that just seems to have evolved in the world.
0: You know, I think one of the things that's incumbent on on whoever's teaching a class is to make sure everyone understands why the course exists and what the value is and, and actually paying attention. I mean, you know, one of the things that I found early on is that what I'm really competing for with, in a room full of students is I'm competing for Mindshare. So, you know, you think back to your day. Everybody's listening to this. Think back to their day. You, you took four or five or six classes. You had outside interest. You had student organizations, maybe a part-time job. And how do you manage that as a portfolio? Well, some of the courses that you're taking inevitably are sort of going to be lower down on that portfolio. So part of the professor's job is to, to sell the value of what we're going to do together. So that more of their time and attention, from a, a student perspective, is is paid towards the the course that course that you're teaching.
1: It's an interesting perspective. I mean, we think about it every day in in competing for mind share with consumers that we're selling to. If it's a, a mm-hmm. celebrity or brand or event or really anything we do in life, so it's it's interesting to hear it from the other side of a professor. Um, Trying, you know, trying to accomplish that for the, the students that are coming in every day.
0: It, it, it's starting with why, right, in the value proposition, Way, well before the what. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and you, you talked about 2001-ish time frame of w- when this transformation uh, started for you and, and the mindset ultimately became what you're doing now. What have you seen change the most from students then to now?
0: So let me come at that one sideways because you the expected answer is probably more digital and and things you read about gen z and and millennials and while all of that's true you know one of the things that i've seen is that they're just like me it's just like you. They're just like you remember people being in a classroom. They have friendships. They have they have people that they hang with. There's people that they don't want to be in groups with. Uh, there's some disinterest. There's what they're thinking about other than class. And so in that regard, human nature hasn't changed at all. Some of the tools may have changed mm-hmm. and their ability to access information uh, have changed. But the, you know, the human nature of a, of a college student between 18 and 22, it reminds me, it, it's familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what
1: about the expectations or pressure?
0: Has that changed? There's much more focus on the, the thing that's different than in my day. The there's much more focus on what am I going to do now so that I can get a job? Mm -hmm. In other words, how do I, how do I manage my college journey in order to receive the payoff of the college journey?
1: And and do you think that's because, and you mentioned tools before, is, is that because the tools are more readily available to be able to do that? Or, uh, There's just, to go back to expectation, there's an expectation now that right out of school you're falling into a business career or you have a, a better knowledge of what you may want to
0: do right away. A lot of this in the journey is trying to understand what you really want to do or what you're good at or what moves you and creating the path and the possibilities to go pursue that. So that's part of the journey now, figuring out more about who I am and what I want and where I want to go and how do I how do I start to navigate that now there's also a competitive pressure i mean mm-hmm. there's lots of people competing for jobs that are pretty cool so how do i stand out how do i build a resume mm-hmm. how do i make sure that the things that I have been trained to do in high school to get to a good college I now are, are sort of you know, second nature, and that carries through to students wanting to achieve, but also wanting to land a series of internships at the end of sophomore year, at the end of junior year, get prepared, go do projects and other um, co-curricular things with real companies. Yeah. And I, and it's, I... much, it's much more pronounced today, yeah. mm-hmm. much more. Mm-hmm.
1: And I know you've you've created some some classes at Miami if you went crystal ball or, or if you had the ability to kind of uh, evolve the educational system either classes the way uh, students t- uh, professors teach or the way students learn what what would you want evolved in the next call it three to five years
0: you know the, at, at the at the most basic level right? and i don't want this to to sound like it's vocational training cuz it's anything but that break it's it's to break down the wall between academics and whatever whatever we're calling real world whether it's social organizations whether it's arts organizations whether it's for profit businesses or other kind of organizations break down the wall between those two entities mm-hmm. so that it's a dialogue back and forth between how, but between the organization and faculty, on what do we need to do to better prepare our students for what they're going to face after graduation day?
1: Mm. Do those social, so work, it, it, oh, keep going, sorry. No, so
0: it, it, it's, it's, com- it's completely around the understanding of what is our role in adding value to the student while they're here. Mm-hmm. so that they can be better prepared and see more opportunities and, and and you know hit the ground running is the is is the you know the cliche phrase but it's absolutely true.
1: Yeah, I wonder if we ever get to a point where the social organizations are actually part of academia and it's an actual class. I actually just had this conversation with my eldest who's a high school sophomore and we talked about her yearbook class, and she's an editor for yearbook. And it was one of very few, I'm not sure I can name any others, that in class, it's really an organization, not necessarily social. It's a job function for a, uh, some sort of output for the high school. But through it, they're learning journalism and photography and editing and a few other pieces of it. But it's more driven from a, almost a product organiz- or an organization versus
0: a subject matter. This is, this is where higher ed is evolving. Mm-hmm. So in, in an applied field like entrepreneurship or interactive media studies or something like that, that's essentially how we teach classes today.
1: It's mm-hmm. interesting. And, and then if I go back to the third business was the one, the marketing agency, and you had two others prior to that. In your daily life of, of teaching now, do you miss that side of the business? having your own business, starting a business that's not with students every day? What part of that do you miss?
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. So was, these were all service agencies, right? So in a service business, you have clients on the other end. And the clients on the other end were really smart people in, in their own regard. And being able to understand them and serve them was, was an interesting and rewarding uh, experience. What I've done is I sort of morphed that into students being the client, mm-hmm. so that it's an equivalent. But there is a there is a bit of that um, from uh, from the perspective of how can I engage a client and help that client's job role, job function, organization be better. Mm
1: mm mm-hmm. and and staying there on the students for a second and I, and I asked it, and then jumped around and, and talking about evolving you mentioned just academia and the social organizations and, and breaking down that wall that's that's more on uh the university side it seems what about from the the student what would you want the students how, how let me say that differently what would help the students uh in some way to evolve in the next three to five years? Or what would you, if you had the chance to talk to everybody individually in a recommendation of what they should consider doing during the four years they're in a university?
0: Take advantage of the people that you're going to meet. And I don't mean take advantage of the people, I mean right. take advantage of the opportunity to get to know the people that you meet. And and what's, what's stunning to a lot of students is that professors really want to get to know you, particularly at Miami. It's a signature uh, part of, of Miami, the, the the student-faculty relationship, and if students would understand that faculty are here to help and we'd love to get to know you and to just sort of feel confident enough to say, Hey, here's my story. Here's where I'm anxious. Here's where I'm confused. Let's talk. Here's where I want to, here's what I might want to do. Who do you know? If they'd be willing to open up, they're going to find way more resources at their fingertips than they've ever imagined.
1: And that doesn't happen because they do just think and, and I'd be the first one guilty of it back when I was in school, that they just think professors there to teach the fifty minutes or the hour fifteen and then move on to the next class? Is it simply that?
0: Or or that they're used to, you know, it's it's so they've been trained in high school high school to some degree to this is how I do learning. I understand the process, I understand how to study, I understand how to take a test, I understand how to turn in paper. And in, unless you're in unless you have um already formed relationships with uh your high school teachers or others it can be it can be an anxiety producing act to go talk to somebody and say I want to I you know I want to tell you my story and and you know how can you help
1: when when I started this pod 15 months ago or so one of the uh one of the statements I said that I I wanted to discuss with alumni was why Miami? Um, besides that, it's a really good school. And as we talked about even before we went on air, if you walk on campus in, in the spring, there's, there's not many places better than that anywhere. Um, but why is somebody willing to go 45 minutes through the corn stalks and, and kind of a little bit rolling hills in there? But w- why there? And it seems that most students that come out of Oxford flourish do incredibly well and I've been uh, lucky to talk to a lot of them on the podcast with many more lined up what do you, what do you think why, 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 do the student, why does a, a student go to Miami, why are they willing to take the risk and go into a place where you cannot get an internship by walking down the block you know, where in a big city you can uh, and, and then all or most seem to do really well when they get out of the university or get out of school
0: because they, they know it's a full balance. So they, they know that the academics are good. We're ranked in lots of things at, at Miami. Uh, so we can compete on that level. The academics are going to prepare them, not just in the business school, but across campus. So that's, that's sort of a known thing. The residential life here of being in a college town, in a college town kind of setting where you can form lifelong friends is also something that has a, a lot of a, a lot of appeal, right? So there are other kinds of schools in urban settings, bigger schools, smaller schools. Uh, but this is a life. You're, you're building a four-year life here, and you're building friends, and you're building roots, and you're building memories. And that's part, I think, of the calculus of why somebody comes to Miami. and then what they find out is faculty are willing to spend time with them way outside of camp outside of classes on on campus and talk to them and help them. And for the ones that take advantage of that, then all of a sudden the thing that's unspoken and underplayed at Miami is the fabulous alumni mentor network, mm-hmm. and what our what our alums are willing to do for our students.
1: And, and what do you say to the, not just the student who's listening to this, but the alumni who um, could take advantage of some of that consulting opportunity from students um, or guest lecturing in terms of coming back and, and helping out for a day to teach and or to have students help them in what they're trying to do every day?
0: Reach out. If, if you're uncertain, find a department chair. You can find them all online. They're the they're the people that uh, that, that head up a department in, in an area of your specialty or your expert, expertise. I know in entrepreneurship, we will have in this academic year nearly 300 different people come to campus, Skype into classes, judge competitions, mentor students speak in classes, in, in, in some cases uh, come in merely to just uh, uh, interview students for internships and part-time jobs. More than 300 just in our program. So the, the engagement opportunities exist. So start with the department chair uh, of, of any of the specialty areas. And I, I think you're gonna be like really surprised if you do this. For me, it was it, it was the feeling of the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. And once you feel the energy of the room, it's like anything else that that becomes addictive and that became addictive
1: and, and you're on campus every day teaching what's the one class outside of the ones that you teach what's the one class that you wish uh at Miami or anywhere was mandatory that's just a life skill or something that you need when you get out of school
0: so we just—it's—it's it's actually an interesting question because uh, just two years ago, um, our program in particular launched a creativity and imagination class as a as a core class in the business school, and our dream is to take that across campus so that any student in any major with any sort of purpose could take that class because it fits with any context that they'll be in, how to be more imaginative, how to be more creative, and how to be more confident in, in those in, in those disciplines.
1: But was it a new class that was created or just Yeah. One,
0: yeah. And, and what
1: was it that, what, what did you know or learn that uh, moved the business school in the
0: direction to create this class? To To not think of the first right answer when mm-hmm. it comes to problem solving. Mm-hmm. It was to not settle for what the assignment called for, but to imagine something greater. You know, it's just, you know, so think, think of the people that you've worked with that are just rock stars. They find a way to, to plus one a project. And that's that was the impetus impetus for the the business school. How do we get that mindset instilled at the at the freshman year level of students, so that they look at assignments and they look at projects a little bit differently?
1: And and what for you, as someone that went to Miami and now has spent the last twenty years back on campus, what's so
0: special about Oxford to you? It feels like home. And I don't mean that from a you know a physical place, it feels like all of us are a family, and we're all here together to to uh, to make each other better. I, I will tell you the surprise for me was not just the energy received from the students. it's just they keep you current and they keep you honest. And at the same time, they're helping me grow. I get a chance to perhaps do the same thing for them. And when that happens across campus, all of my colleagues that I can think of, uh, any meeting that I've been at, it all feels the same way. That's the thing that's so cool about being here. It just feels like home.
1: As you can tell from that conversation, Mark's the type of guy that you could sit in that front right corner of Skippers, you know it, that round table, have a couple beers with, and sit and listen and talk. What a great conversation, really thoughtful, problem-solving, competing for Mindshare and Why Miami. Looking forward to seeing Mark when I'm back on campus uh, in a couple weeks. Thanks all for listening. See you at Skippers real soon.